0: This is a podcast about the hardcore community
1: made by and for those who live authentic
0: lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon and I'm Greg Benoit and this is the Hardcore Archive podcast. All right
1: uh, welcome uh, to episode 138 of the Hardcore Archive podcast. Uh, We Tried to have Glenn Danzing on tonight, but he was not available. Uh so instead we settled for uh Alex and Dan from Michigan's coalition. Uh Alex and Dan, how are you guys doing?
2: Doing Good. great. Thanks. Thanks for having us. I'm really sorry Danzig couldn't couldn't make it. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh next week we're gonna have Northside Kings on. It's gonna be really awkward. Oh. Um <laughs> Well, that's a very
3: ambitious <laughs> number for us to partake in. So we're honored to be number
0: 138.
1: Yes. Right. Nice Josh, uh, my my intrepid co-host, uh, how are you doing this uh, wild Labor Day weekend?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry I'm a little late, guys. I was out uh, buying like cat litter and such and getting ready <laughs> to wrap Christmas presents. So you know how things go. Uh, but no, it's good. We were talking beforehand. It's, it's Labor Day weekend. So uh, my son's starting kindergarten uh a couple days after this airs actually so uh just been kind of doing the last end of summer fun stuff with him so uh you know it's just kind of bittersweet so but this is going to be fun like we were saying before we hit record uh when we first started doing this uh when i was doing it solo and even when greg joined on we were doing more of these kind of like turn back the clock uh episodes and lately we've kind of geared more towards current bands but uh it's a lot of fun uh, jumping back and talking about an era that uh, I think the four of us all really enjoyed. Uh, so I think that's mainly mm-hmm. what we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, like uh, Greg said, we're gonna be talking with Dan and Alex. Uh, they were in Coalition uh, from Michigan. Uh, I booked those guys in Rochester a couple times, so I'm sure we'll talk about that. A bunch of cool tour stories and such. Um, I know Greg's got a couple questions lined up too, but. Um, how about we talk first real quick? Because I know you guys were in Varsity. Or I know, Alex, you at least were in Varsity mm-hmm. before Coalition, right?
3: hmm
0: Yep. Damn, were you in any uh, uh, noteworthy bands? Or was Coalition kind of like your mm-hmm. first real?
2: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say anything noteworthy. I, I was in a band that tried to do our best impression of Floor Punch. And we played our first show with Blood for Blood and Coldest Life at the Magic Stick in Detroit. That was pretty cool. And we covered Straight Edge Revenge with uh, some... Some big scary guys smoking weed behind us, but um, yeah, nothing, nothing noteworthy. There was another band that um, came right before Coalition called Resound, and we didn't play any shows. We recorded a four-song demo, and it kind of sounds like proto early Coalition. It's like fast and melodic. And there was a guy in the band, and I think he's thanked on the Head On seven-inch. His name is Nick Fury from Toledo. Like we were kind of a split band. I don't know if you guys know Nick, um, you know, but he seemed to be tight with some of the Rochester hardcore community in the late 90s early 2000s but yeah and then coalition came
0: he might have been in next to nothing possibly because those guys played up uh, here a lot i know i know Mike i don't think he was being, in next
2: to nothing yeah. I, he maybe he filled in for them but he definitely knew those yeah. guys alex yeah. might know but we don't need to talk about naked yeah.
0: but yeah so, <laughs> so so i was referencing varsity alex i know you guys yeah. played here at least once or twice what was that 99 at rit i know you you said beforehand your memory is going to be kind of foggy on some of this so maybe you don't even remember but
3: no uh, i mean i'm not gonna remember things like years and names of places but when you say it it jogs you know i mean i was there i was sober (laughs) i was (laughs) so like in theory everything should should be there um but yeah i remember um rochester buffalo cleveland just that whole Midwest, you know, like before you quite got out to to the coast, like that scene and even Milwaukee and Minneapolis, like that whole kind of Midwest and Eastern stuff, it felt really close knit. It felt very like-minded and very like, um, I don't, working class would, would not be appropriate, but it just salt of the earth I I don't know what what term to use but it felt like like like-minded you know especially like in in the 90s like all these all these towns kind of made sense and I like the camaraderie that we had from from place to place they're easy to get to and back then we didn't think anything of leaving at midnight to go drive someplace that was like 12 hours away or something it was like you just had some Red Bull and and did it and you know times are different back when you're in your teens you know but yeah I, I enjoyed rochester for sure um
0: uh before we get into coalition greg i don't know if you have any questions about like bands before uh coalition otherwise yeah well, well like
1: up. uh varsity really struck a chord with me um i picked up the varsity blood pact split i think it was a 12 inch Um, and I picked it up at a blood pack show, which like, they were cool, but varsity was really more kind of the style of music that I was into. Um, and I never got to check you guys out. Um, I, I I know, uh, uh, I think from Dan, he said that you guys played in a basement, um, which probably would have been, I think probably like head-on's first show in like, uh, uh, Josh, maybe you were at this show, but it was like, I think in like Brad Dingman's basement over by Lori's. Yeah, it's Eternal um, Youth. I think headlining, and oh, okay. I
2: think I made the trip out. I don't remember who I went with, but I didn't go with Varsity. But
3: Ian, did he go with Ian?
2: Probably, yeah. Probably. It had to be Ian. It had to be Ian Courtney. That's that's probably right. We made a trip out to Rochester several times. Yeah, Eternal Youth. Yeah, yep. yeah, good stuff. I remember, I got I got all the merch from that show. I had a. I, I you you might see me in a coalition picture wearing a head on hoodie. It was a champion mm. from zip up. I wore an eternal youth shirt in our smorgasbord CD. Like I, it was all from that show. So it's pretty funny that show had a, had a big impact on me, obviously And varsity did varsity was inspiring, you know, for me, cause I was not in a band when varsity first started and it, it kind of was like, that's what I want to do. And, uh, yeah. And it's happening here in Detroit because there wasn't really anything like that in Detroit at the time it was very chuggy and it was really cool. Like earth was awesome. And, Trifon, which I learned the word is actually Trifene, but we always said Trifon. They were, they were like locally, like really popping off and, and fun to see live. Uh, But as far as like fast, like youth group, like kind of joining that like second wave varsity kind of joined, you know, maybe midway tail end, but it was, it was inspiring for me. So Dan, I was just talking to someone the other
3: day about this through a circuitous route, but um, do you know how varsity got started?
2: do you know uh, in your your vault um i i only remember the logo being in the name being taken from a car dealership in your hometown of Farmington, right is that not true okay so we'll
3: we'll set it straight then so okay but i'm set straight another cleveland yeah
2: i like that seven inch demo
3: (laughs) yeah me too
2: um well i did i don't know if i still (laughs) do i listen to that stuff so we were at
3: it was Crazy Fest, the first Crazy Fest. And, Greg, you mentioned um, Blood Pact. So we were having bur- burritos the size of your head at some, whatever, brio joint. And John Skinner, who was a guitarist from Blood Pact, said that he had a, a great name for a youth crew band, uh, Barcy. And myself and um, Matt Simpson, Stimpy, were like, we're starting a band like that that was it like we'll take your name your silly name for a for a youth group band and we will move it forward and we'll we'll kind of bring it to light so it literally just started as a joke uh, from John Skinner and then we turned it into reality by the time we'd gotten home we had recruited like a, a drummer and a and a bassist and that's how it all how it all started <laughs> so there you go crazy fast 1998 first
1: so then you guys you you you're you're in varsity and um you guys like did like how many did you guys do like a lot of touring in varsity or was it just like that one that came through rochester no it we we did and it was is bizarre
3: when you're in your your teens you have no responsibilities you got nothing so you can do so much in such a truncated amount of time you know and you think back to like so many hardcore bands they they burn out so quickly but Uh, they do so much in like in two years and now like when you're in your 40s to do the same amount of thing it takes you like five years you know like because you just got life gets in the way so we did do a um a decent amount of touring I feel like we were always doing weekends always going out to the east coast um they were never like long like month-long things necessarily um but we we went to the West Coast, like we did a couple, I think we did three weeks on the That West was sort of the Coast. end, right? The yeah, Coast with Day. Purpose, like we went with Purpose, who were like one of my favorite bands awesome. of all time, like at, at that time. It was a pretty awesome for me to sort of manifest, uh, like while Purpose may not be like a big band, in my heart, they were one of my all-time favorite bands at that period. And so for us to tour with them and go to California and do like three weeks, that was like a real big big deal we did a week-long east coast tour with no justice they were also incredible we did tons of you know we'll go to minneapolis go to rochester go to cleveland go to you know all these midwest towns so go to chicago like a million times you know um we we were out a lot and it's just it all happened within the span of two years and when you think back of it, it's just incredible how much you got to do when you're a teenager really it was a very fun exciting time
1: yeah like i think chain of strength wasn't even around for like three years i think they were like originally when they formed they were together for like two and a half years but if you think about the amount of influence that them and like gorilla biscuits had even to this day it's like (laughs) mind-blowing um and no justice and purpose are like two bands of the same era that really resonate with me Mm -hmm. hands down the best show i've ever been to was and as a matter of fact i think i have the flyer behind me um over here it's like shy halud the enkindles nerve agents Mm. and then no justice jumped on that show and no justice they were like one of the first bands to play but they like stole the show timmy no justice is like bar none one of the best frontmen uh for hardcore bringing the energy oh yeah
3: yeah and yeah we played with nerve agents on the on the west coast Um, you play
2: Gilman with them
3: no we play i don't couldn't tell you the name of the place but um it was cool. Yeah. I, I did a Mad Ball cover at that show. Some band, I don't remember who it was, did set it off. And I, I grabbed the mic and I sang <laughs> set it off. That's nice. <laughs> and I wore a judge shirt that was like it was an original judge shirt. And it was like an extra large. And like my arms were like this <laughs> big. And the shirt was like a freaking <laughs> moo But it didn't matter because it was an original judge. Shirt. Like all of my <laughs> shirts from that era, everything looked like a moo so um, sorry
1: no it was the style of the era because I remember wearing like earth crisis shirts that were like double XL when I was like barely over 98 pounds and no one thought anything of it because that's what we were all doing but looking back on pictures I'm like oh holy fuck that t-shirt is roughly (laughs) the size of a sleeping bag and you know it just accentuates like my already (laughs) noticeable scrawniness Um, so
2: and then then the pendulum swung in the early 20s early 2000s I don't understand it's like the shirts are ridiculously tight (laughs) like
3: I was never an extra large person why did I think that and they make shirts in different sizes why was I like looking at myself going extra large
1: that's my size that's my size (laughs) you you didn't really have a choice sometimes because I remember the first time Bane came to Rochester they had one t-shirt and they had large and extra large Uh, and it was like (laughs) good luck you know if you're anything but an XL um, yeah, enough about, I guess, fashion, fashion sizing, uh, <laughs> I, I guess we'll get into coalition and, and by the time coalition's done being a band, we're all wearing like girl jeans and t- you, know, t- <laughs> t- <laughs> t- you know t-shirts that yeah, look like they've it. been airbrushed on. Um, so varsity, um, you know, very successful in, in the limited run. And then it kind of spawns, uh, coalition. Was it like a direct, like, as soon as varsity comes to an end, you guys are like, we got to keep doing this. I want more. Or was there like some space in between? The last
3: song that Varsity ever wrote was the first song that Coalition took. So, "Escape the yep. originally was a was being worked on by Varsity. So, we we recorded a full length record. It was going to be put out by Anton from Underestimated Records, and then we broke up. And Anton said, "It doesn't make sense for me to put out your record now. <laughs> like, I'm not going to recoup." <laughs> And we're like, fair enough, <laughs> you know, so it never came out. Um, and then, Dan, I don't remember how it went from that, you know, escape defeat and in, in its varsity form turning into the coalition. Do you remember how we all got together? You probably know.
2: I, I think I think the relationship that would become coalition started when we, we all went to uh the original edge day tenured fights last show Mm -hmm. and then we went to edge day two it was in my eyes last show Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: um yeah so that's how we kind of got to know each other meaning you and brent and i brought the drummer so uh, that band i was talking about resound that was like scoleto members and we just recorded four songs i had a drummer and alex had a bass player and we had known each other from these these like road trips we both were obviously there wasn't there's not a lot of there was a lot of kids in Detroit and there still isn't that, uh, love, uh, fast, hardcore. That's like maybe let's say early Rev inspired or, or early, even new age inspired. There were, there's just a handful, you know? So we found each other and we had the same passions and it looked good on paper. And we got together for a practice just as a four piece. And at the end of the first practice, Um, Alex had what would become escape defeat. It was originally going to be a varsity song. And we even had, I think another song, like pretty much done in one practice, like things just clicked. And I was like, all right, yeah, like we're, we're moving forward with this. So yeah, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I do remember how like the like the the relationship developed through these road trips. And I did that ba- you know, like I was invited to do backups for varsity's unreleased LP, which it's okay. a crime that's not released. i i love it. I still listen to it all the time by the way. Some bootlegger put it on uh Spotify, in case you want to listen to it, it's told um can't escape the truth. Awesome. That's
3: so, so. funny. <laughs> I'm sure he's gonna retire off of that. His Spotify royalties. <laughs>
2: It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. So it was pretty seamless. And as far as like when varsity broke up, I'm pretty sure it was early summer 2000 and we started practice in August 2000. We played our show by November and we were in the studio recording our demo slash smorgasbord EP by January of 01. So things moved quick. Like things were clicking for us and it was tight right from the beginning. So we knew, we knew it was going to be, you know, a decent band from the first practice.
0: Let's get into the smorgasbord you're talking about there, because when I started looking through, uh, obviously, we'll get to the poor sell shit and all that, too. I remember you guys working with some labels, but putting it all together, I was like, damn, you guys did some some pretty cool shit. Again, like Varsity in a short amount of time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, Greg talking about, like, uh, uh, classic late 80s hardcore earlier think uh, you guys were, too. Uh, smorgasbord, obviously, being a, an influential label. How did you guys hook up with them so quickly?
3: Dan, one thing so, I do remember, uh, I don't remember how, how we hooked up with them, but I do remember taking a phone call from Jeff Terranova mm-hmm. at my parents' house and having this, and it will sort of <laughs> time out because the same thing happened again later with Porcel, but having this <laughs> like weird ass thing where I'm like, this guy is an upfront, and he's yeah. He thinks that the music that I'm making with my friends is, like, worthy. You know, like, this is crazy. Like, I, you yeah. know, I remember staring at the Upfront, you know, Spirit LP, yeah. which, lol, they don't have any spirit on that cover <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> they look very, yeah,
2: it's pretty hard, yeah. Very
3: de-spirited. <laughs> they need some spirit. Um, but regardless, um, to have that record and covet that record and, you know, and love Upfront and then right. be like, I'm on the phone with this guy and he is – wants to put his time money and effort into releasing my thing i was like holy crap this is insane but then i don't remember how we
2: yeah we were we were so so we went to a pretty good studio to record our first seven songs and the reason why is that we were willing to put up a little bit of our own money and we were college students we didn't have anything like i remember selling you know rare italian horror dvds on ebay and things like that to like pay for it but we felt so strongly that the songs deserved a good production um and we didn't have a label and we weren't looking for a label because we didn't have any songs out yet but we went to a pretty good studio it was where varsity actually recorded their lp and it sounded really clean so we went Mm -hmm. to woodshed recorded those seven songs in january of 01 and we put it out as a demo we just you know was a cdr and we xeroxed you know the covers like we took the pictures of all the members we snuck into a movie theater an amc movie theater and went into the photo booth and took pictures of ourselves remember mm-hmm. that yeah, and yeah. uh yeah we put that out and it was only out for a couple months and in because we immediately sent a few copies of our cdr demo to some labels and we got immediate response from three labels i can't remember the name of one but i remember espo was one of them espo wanted us they had just put out reach the sky so it made sense so if you've ever listened to our demo or smorgasbord stuff pretty melodic it's 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 definitely like fast melodic hardcore that would be you know somewhat like we could have toured with reach the sky you know, it made sense to be on Espo, and then uh, Smorgasbord expressed interest. Obviously, called uh, Alex, and I remember um, a couple things. I was uh, in the College of Education at the time, and I was tutoring kids. That's how I'd make some money on uh, on the side. And I got a call while I was tutoring this kid, and it was, and it was Alex saying, "Hey, like, do you want to be on Smorgasbord?" I was like, what? Because for for me, it I loved upfront. Um, I loved even even like weird bands like Splinter and Edgewise, and I was like, Hatebreed was <laughs> put something out on that label. Heck yeah, that's that's amazing. I just remember being stunned. It was like one of the high moments of like my hardcore like history. Was like somebody w- wanting to like Alex said, invest in us that we looked up to and held in high regard because at that time the Spirit LP was like gold. It was expensive and it was hard to find. Um, I had to get a lost and found bootleg CD of spirit you know and I, and I tracked it down because i loved it so much you know that was just you know part of the time um but yeah we we did it and we we were sent i don't know if we were fax a contract but this is my favorite part our, our drummer was <laughs> pretty funny he's a pretty funny guy he shows up to sign the contract with like one of those like giant like earth crisis type of like markers you know what i'm talking they really stink up like a like an entire room and like he signed this, something? yeah it's a magnum that's exactly what it was. he signed the contract with a magnum i was like oh this isn't classy but I, we all giggled that was just kind yeah. of in his style you know so yeah we signed with smorgasbord that was pretty that was pretty cool and things went you know pretty quick pretty quickly after that um because we already had the songs and it just needed to be put out in cd um i don't want to take up too much time but i'll just mention one other little tidbit it was supposed to come out on 12 inch um Mm -hmm. bare knuckle records was a new record label or was going to be a new record someplace in belgium and they wanted it and jeff said i'll give you the license for it for some reason it never came out i think it would have translated pretty well onto a a 12 inch Mm -hmm. and seven songs and 18 minutes i'm guessing something like that it probably would have been like a nice you know a nice thing to have but it never never materialized but yeah, that's a little bit of just background
0: info. Seven songs, 18 minutes. That's a full length in and, and hardcore know, in 2023, right? <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. crazy. It's, it's less longer than most full lengths right now. Yeah. So that's crazy. Um, I feel like that's around the time you, you guys and I linked up. Um, cause I, I feel like Dan, you and I were communicating at some point about doing shows and such. And then, um, so did poor cell see you guys at a show or did you guys contact him? Like, Uh, it's just crazy that all these, like Alex was saying, all these people that we all kind of looked up to, uh, especially, I I also always want to mention that we're not talking about 2023 when these people are all like a lot more accessible, it seems, you know, back then these guys were like, like you couldn't really find these guys half the time. And it was like, these guys are like legendary, you know? So I guess, tell us, kind of give us the background on how you started linking up with Porcel.
3: Dan, I assume it was the same thing. We probably
2: just, no. Do you know? I, I, yeah, I do I do know this okay. one. So so Alex okay. was basically like our manager and like band dad. Like ha, yeah. if our band wouldn't have gone anywhere without Alex. Like we were we were like really interested in the band and excited about it, but Alex had like both the creativity and he also had like a business kind of mindset, so he took care of the stuff. And he heard that Porcel was going to put out a Straight Edge comp. We wanted to be on it. Yeah, we didn't have a straight edge, but we wanted to be on it um, really bad. And so we had just recorded Breaking Point. It was just kind of like, in, again, Breaking Point. We did it on our own dime. We didn't have a label and we didn't choose to have a label. We didn't like go out looking for one. We we're like, we love these songs. We're going to put the money to go to Mars Studio in Cleveland where Integrity and Earth Crisis and Ringworm and even like, you know, Cry Society was like, was uh, recorded because it sounds heavy and thick and we were kind of taking more of a heavier turn. But anyways, those songs were already recorded and we had the sequencing, we had the 12 songs and we're like, hey, we sent it to him, not shopping, just saying, hey, can we be on your straight edge label? We'll write a new song. And he said, why don't I just put up the whole thing? And this is him talking to Alex. I read this in an interview, by the way, Alex. So it's mm-hmm. <laughs> fresh in my oh, okay. mind. So yeah, yeah. So so Porcel called you and said, "Hey, like this is really good. Like I want to put the entire thing out. Are you are you up for it?" We had a little we had a little uh, dilemma because we were supposed to put this out on, or we we kind of had an informal agreement to put it out with Steve Steve's label, Martyr Records, who did the split yes. and ho- with holding on. But he was in the middle of like a lot of stuff at that time. And one of the things was Modern Life is War 12-inch or LP, which is mm. phenomenal to this day. So he was kind of tied up with that. He said, yeah, I'll get to it like later. But I, I want to put it out. If I'll get to it later. And uh when we came back and said, hey, Porcel's ready to do this right now. He, he gave us his blessing. He's like, I I totally get it. You guys are, are good. That's how can you turn down Porcel, right? Like he's the guy who – started schism and here he is starting a new label, right? That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. So, uh, Steve from martyr was gracious and, and kind of let us out of that verbal, you know, agreement. And we went with fight fire with fire records, which again, was uh John Porcelli's new label. So
3: a couple additions. Yeah. So it was an imprint on rev. Like he had rev distribution. Um, mm-hmm. when we were, when we recorded breaking point, um, I believe we recorded over the Terror EP. Yeah, lowest um, so of the Low. Yeah, like lowest so of the Low, like they had just been in and recorded that. And then Bill Karecki was like, well, I'll use this tape. And so he recorded over Terror with, <laughs> with Breaking Point. Um, but yeah, I remember talking to Purcell and just having like Purcell's, you know, name and number like in my phone mm-hmm. was just as a kid i was like what the, heck? like this is crazy and i tried obviously not to like fanboy out too much with them but uh, at the same token like he knows who he is and i know who he is and so i would try and like limit my non coalition questions you know but still try and get details you know out of them and i remember asking him about um Blair to a friend from shelter um cuz this was i don't know in around that time or whatever and I was like, "Yeah, okay. If, if I can pick your brain about something, like what was that about?" And he told me it was about um, what's his nuts from Underdog, uh, Richie, Richie, yeah, Richie. Yeah, he said that it was about Richie from Underdog. And I was like, "Oh, wow, cool." You know. And so I get these little tidbits from him. And, I, and believe it or not, I remember him not swearing on the phone and saying "freaking" and "freaking" or whatever, and. And he said he would say like freaking and rad. And like my little child brain was like, That's it. I'm saying freaking and I'm saying rad. And I added those <laughs> words to my vocabulary exclusively, explicitly, because I talked to Porcelli on the phone and he was saying freaking and rad. And I was like, He sounds so cool. I gotta start saying these words because he says it and he sounds cool, so I'll say it and all. And so here I am, 43 years old, and I still say freaking rad. And it's just <laughs> because of talking to Porcell and how. You know, the esteem that we held him and, yeah. and how influential it was. And to this day, like I saw him um, at Judge when they came through Detroit a few years ago. And like, he's like, oh, brother, gives me a hug. And like I was just talking to him the other day and like sending him like these big, long emails. He's right back. The guy is the nicest dude ever. He is mm-hmm. so freaking sincere. Such a nice, helpful human being. He is an awesome person. I love that dude. So it's one of those things like meet your, you know, don't meet your heroes. Forget it. Meet John Porcelli. The guy is amazing. I love that guy. So
0: So, freaking, freaking sincere. I just want to add that in real quick that you said that.
1: (laughs) Well, I have a freaking rad personal story to add to that uh, too. Dan and I were talking before we started recording, which um, the people who listen to the podcast don't ever hear me give this spiel, but I always like blow every interview in the minutes before the interview actually starts and we start recording because I like sh- start shooting the breeze while like I'm waiting for Josh to log in or something and we get to all the good questions and then we have to like recreate it later. But, uh, uh, I think it was like 2002 or 2003 coalition was playing at this DIY show space in an old warehouse in Rochester and my band, uh, which is a vegan straight edge band witness, uh, was opening. And I think Josh, you booked it. And I can't remember if you like reached out to rory um who was our singer or if if you posted it on uh, the message board but you were just like yeah uh like porcelli from judge emailed me to get directions to the show i don't know what that means <laughs> or something and so like word kind of got out that he was going <laughs> to be there um but uh the situation on the ground was there was like a bad ice storm like the mm-hmm. day before that show and we hadn't practiced in like months, and so we just like went into the show with like no practice whatsoever, and we sucked so hard. It's like hands down one of the worst fucking sloppiest sets oh. I've ever played. And so I was just like mortified that like I fucked this all up in front of uh you know someone who was like on a classic couple classic rev bands, um, which is probably why we never got signed to any cool record labels or received any phone calls from our uh, childhood heroes. Um, but it was just like a really wild experience and one of my favorite uh one of my favorite show memories of um you know playing a show with witness.
3: Well, Greg, the same thing happened to us essentially at that show because one of I have sort of two memories. One, the fact that like Porcel was on stage. We so we covered Judge and he agreed to do vocals mm-hmm. for it. So to be on stage doing a judge cover with Porceli, again, my child. Dude, brain it was just like i can't handle this is crazy um but our other guitarist Stu, had changed his strings on his les paul like a half hour or something before we went on and the dude was out of tune for the whole show <laughs> and we're like and i think it was so egregious to me too i mean i don't know of course how the audience heard but you know how how like you're self-deprecating and how you just focus on the things that's wrong you know when you're on stage and all I could hear is goddamn out of tune, freaking <laughs> guitar. And I'm like, this poor on stage and he's coming to see us. He drove like six hours in an ice storm to come see us. And you're out of tune. How could you change your strings a half hour before the show, you idiot? But that's how I remember
2: that show. as a sort of botched opportunity <laughs> to I just remember sleeping in the van the night before in the freezing cold because all the hotels were booked because of yeah. the ice storm knocked everyone's power out. We slept. We I slept on top of a base cabinet and woke up rolling off of it onto Brent and probably Stu and waking them up. And then we had to play. We had to play this show that we were super pumped about. But I think it was the night before. Wasn't there a show in Syracuse that we caught? One Up was playing with like The Promise, like Mental maybe was yeah. there. But anyways, Shack. like we went, we we went out early, went to the show. Then we had to get back to Rochester, and that yeah. was when like, nice, oh, and we couldn't get into Canada. Do you, remember, do you remember we get to the border? We're in our van, yeah. and there's no seats, and they look in. It's a it's a cargo van, and we're all like just laying in the back, and the border agents like, you guys aren't getting in. Oh, but <laughs> the best part was when the border agent was like, uh, like, oh, you guys are in a band. What do you guys sound like? And Alex says, fast and aggressive we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and, and and they didn't let us in. So we had to go the long way through, through uh, Cleveland and Erie to get up to uh, New York. So yeah, yeah, that was, that was a long trip. And then the ice storm. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool, Here we are like 20 years later
3: talking about cover and judge with Porcelli. It was, yep. it was a um, defining moment you know in our hardcore youth
2: i'm so glad we got at least one picture of it you know like i i can see myself in the crowd like singing along to your own band coalition with yeah with porcel on vocals that's pretty cool definitely one of the top three memories
0: you guys mentioned ian courtney earlier i want to shout out ian courtney i know he was there that weekend uh him and i speaking of 20 years Mm -hmm. later we were shooting the shit the other day and he told (laughs) me he slept he, for some reason, he slept pretty comfortably that night. He told me some other story oh, that yeah. happened that night, so uh, I'm not gonna pu- I'm not gonna put it out there on here. But he told me a funny story that I'll mention afterwards, I guess. But uh, <laughs>
2: <Does> that <laughs> to do with Syracuse. I feel like Syracuse University. Yeah, he won. said he went. Did they win else. like March Madness or something that day? Like that night? Like it was. The, I was. And there was parties, earlier. and him and him and Will from Razzle Dazzle were hanging out. You can tell me later. But
0: yeah. <laughs> no, that pretty they, much they, is it. Now that you mention it, because yeah. I didn't even put the timeline together when he told me yeah. that was April of 2003. Like so that was exactly. I'm a, huge Can- I'm a huge Kansas fan too So I remember watching ah. that just being like, what the fuck Because it was so close at the end But um, I never put that connection together Because that's definitely what it would have been Those would have yes. been some fucking crazy parties It was, too. It was nuts on the
2: campus Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, But that show, just real quick The show you guys are talking about, the Ice Storm show For being a small Rochester mm-hmm. show that I booked Out of like probably 100 shows That's probably one of like the 5 or 10 most talked about shows Just for all the reasons mm-hmm. that were mentioned before And I know yeah. Uh, Fat Steve, who did uh, Town of Hardcore and was in yeah, our he was there. He was there. He did a review of the oh, okay. show mm-hmm. in, in one of his uh, 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 issues. So, um, but the other the, you mentioned Martyr Records too. Had you worked with them before? Because I know you guys did that split with Holding On with them, right? That was before yeah. the, the shit with Porcelain. Yeah, so we had.
2: Yeah, we that was before. So that was our <laughs> second official release. So demo became Smorgasbord EP. Same exact thing, just remastered, and then we put out a split seven inch with holding on and we did tour with them in 01. it was like it was kind of a strange tour it was more like midwest and south and for some reason yeah. i feel like we played in rochester though also that year and stayed in somebody's house but i can't i can't remember very well but it, that tour was was good and really made good friends with holding on i think alex <laughs> and varsity had already played with them because holding on had been around for a bit their first lp had just dropped but they were they were great dudes and I know Sean died last year and that was really mm-hmm. awful news because I'll I'll never forget how he just lit up a room and he would come into it. And he was a wicked bass player, man. That guy was yeah, he just he was awesome. So holding on. That was that was pretty fun to get the mm-hmm. tour and put out a record with them. But yeah, so that was kind of our gateway. That's how we developed a relationship with Steve. Because I don't think Steve knew about us. I think it was through holding on. Holding on's like yeah. check, check these guys out. Let's put our let's do a record. I think, I think they vouched for us and they, they were right. uh, a big reason
3: why we got to do that split with them.
0: Yep. Yeah, rest and power to Sean, obviously. I didn't know him as well as you no. guys did, but I, th- I feel like that, I don't know if it was the same summer that or spring, but it was 2001. I feel like they tore with uh, uh, Vitamin X because that was like the highlight of, of PosiFest. Yeah. One, one of them for me for 2001 mm-hmm. was them and, and, and uh, Vitamin X playing. Maybe we um, played
2: later. I think we were in August. I think we yeah. went out in August. It was just for like 10 days, I think. It wasn't super long. But, yeah, so but maybe um, maybe we didn't hit Rochester then.
0: How so? How many years were you guys active for? Because I know you guys ended up touring with One Up, and this this all seems like mm-hmm. earlier than than all all that. And, uh yeah. like the One Up tours and stuff. Was that more like two thousand three, two thousand four then,
2: or One Up? We toured um, summer of o two and o three. So when we toured in o two, Breaking Point songs were being developed. So we hadn't even recorded that our split seven should just come out and I didn't mention this, but the same session that um, yielded the two songs for the split, we all, we recorded five additional songs. We recorded seven songs in total. Three were to be um, put on a seven inch that Ian Courtney put out on his, on his stagnant records. So there, and there's two songs still today that are unreleased from the, from that session, but it was a total of a seven song session. Again, two on the split three on a seven inch and, two that are unreleased i'd put them up on Bandcamp if anybody Mm. wants to hear them but yeah so that 2002 we went out with one up for the first time and that was when we we started i think in detroit and second we went through canada hung out at niagara falls and we had a show in rochester i think it was an early show at the bug jar i I always loved the bug jar so that was a cool place it was fun to finally get to play there but uh I do. I I do remember one thing after that show. This is like not about this, but after the show we went to, I don't know why I don't remember the circumstances, but I think we went to like a whole foods or some type of like nice grocery store in the area. And we just learned about this new pepper that was sweeping across the nation called habaneros. (laughs) Now they're everywhere. But habaneros were like, they were brand new back then. So we decided to buy habaneros and uh, the brave would eat them from the stem in the parking lot and donnie mutt and myself i think were the only ones who dared to try it and yeah we paid for it like i'll consider myself a pepperhead today but i remember that hurting i mean we didn't know we were getting into now there's ghost pepper and reaper and, you know there, there's there's so many like hotter peppers but back then we were mm-hmm. introduced to the habanero pepper in rochester new york so that was pretty fun <laughs>
0: and painful I'm guessing you guys are talking about Lori's natural foods. Ah, what might, might have been yeah.
1: abundance. That was like right around the corner oh, from the bug yeah, jar at true. that time. Yeah. yeah. Bug jar is still there. They, we, they have shows there all the time. It, uh, yeah. it's never going to die. And in fact, the furniture is all still right. screwed to the ceiling. That was, uh, no Probably way. the same furniture from like two thousand one or whatever.
2: All right, you're giving me a new goal. Start, start a new band and then play at the Bug Jar. I want to play there one more time.
0: <laughs> I was losing that sleep though, cool. thinking about thinking about what Greg just said though. And shout out to the Bug Jar. And I hope I'm not jinxing anything by saying this, but I was losing sleep thinking about what you just said the other night. Like that place has been open for like fucking thirty years, and all that heavy ass shit has been glued there for that long. Like is yeah. it is it permanent? <laughs> like how what's the what's the fucking like end end date on that and a good question you know I do want to mention too like you guys were lucky to play in the matinee era because that's a a far gone era that will not it doesn't sound like we'll ever be coming back because I just casually mentioned to Bobby when I booked a show there recently I was like yeah it's a good thing you know all these people now came here when I had the all ages shows now they're now they're older and he's like yeah we're not fucking with that all ages stuff anymore. Like something like that. And I was like, cause something happened there like okay. not at a hardcore show and sure. they're not trying to do anything. And then even when they do like 18 and over, it's like 10 mm-hmm. people from 18 to 20 have to buy like tickets or whatever. So it's still a really cool venue, but like sure. we need more all ages shit. I got a venue I'm trying to work with now, but I'm not sure I sent them the question. Like, are we doing what's the age restriction? And I never heard back. So that's never uh, a good, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a tough one. So, Um, but I know Greg, you had mentioned, uh, what was a question you had something about like, uh, funny or interesting tour, uh, memories.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've kind of hit some of these in roundabout ways, but, uh, uh, you know, like what are like maybe the top three shows or maybe the most, uh, you know, the wildest story that you guys have from tour that you haven't shared up till this point.
3: I mean, our, our West
1: coast tour,
3: that, that probably had a bunch of highlights for us. I, I think anyone from Detroit or whatever, Midwest and East coast, a couple of bucket list items, you know, it's always kind of making out West, you know? And then once you've done that, like going to Europe, you know, these are a couple of things that you, you know, you set goals that you want to do. And we we went to the West coast and we got to hit up Rev HQ that was definitely like a, a fun thing where we they let us kind of raid some of their merch bins and we all ended up getting the same like youth of the day shirts. I got an engine kid um crew neck. Um embroidered yeah yeah embroidered <laughs> crew neck. Um we all got like you know, youth of the day hats or whatever the hell it was, you know, and we went to Che Cafe. I mean, just so again, like the whole, oh, wow, it's Smorgasbord, it's Forcelli it's RevHQ. Like, to go to sort of hallowed ground and be able to, to go to RevHQ was really cool for us. But I think just more going to the West Coast and being where, you know, thousands of miles away from from home and there's people here who know us. Like, that's cool. You know, like, mm-hmm. just to, you know, you start out in a basement playing music and you're like, wow, here we are a couple of years later thousands of miles away and, and people are, are singing along and dancing along to our music like it just is very cool you know very cool experience that like, musicians in in underground circles can I guess maybe take for granted but when you look at the broader you know other people who aren't into hardcore or punk or metal or whatever they don't get experiences like this you know they don't they don't get this kind of cool shit mm-hmm. so I I think just the West Coast. We had so many cool shows up and down the West Coast. It was, it was a ton of fun. Che Cafe. I remember Rob from Unbroken was there. And that was like another one where we are like, oh. Rob from Unbroken is
2: seeing us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> They were a huge, humongous influence yeah. on us. Humongous. Yeah. So I didn't remember that. I remember that show the, very well, though.
3: So the I'll, I'll pass it to you on a cycle One of my favorite things from the tour was... Um, are, oh wait, was that that was a different that was a different time I was I was on the West Coast. Yeah. The Free Mamiya. Did you ever hear no, about it? Oh that was
2: in Texas. Yeah, that was at the bookstore in Houston.
3: Wait, right so, Oh no,
2: that was at that was at Shea Cafe.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Che Cafe when um God, but was it was that with varsity? Who was that? Oh, who you was? guys
2: you guys did play Che, so it could have been a different time. Yeah
3: anyhow anyhow yeah our, our drummer was like um it's there was like a a sign for free mumia you know or mumia um and he he tapped on the show he's like is this a line for the free mumia <laughs> and I was like that's hilarious <laughs> but it was just little jokes like that that I remember 20 years later but
2: that, that show, uh, that, that show stands out though, for sure. Like we stopped yeah, at Rev HQ cool because show. we were out of CDs and they're our distributor. So we had a business mm-hmm. purpose to go there and we get there and they treated us so, so nice. And they just like, it was kind of like, Hey, what size do you wear? You want a youth of today long sleeve? And I feel like I was the first one. I was like, yeah, I'll take one. And then something they're like, you want one? You want, it was like Oprah, mm-hmm. like passing things out. So we were on tour on the West coast with one up and blue Monday. So there's three bands mm. with a, with a couple of roadies and they gave us all matching shirts and we had into another hats, mm. uh, far side hats. And mm. I think, I think there may have been the into another hats were, were pretty dope. Um, I think there might've been an engine kid hat that matched your, uh, mm. <laughs> your embroidered um, crew neck, but we have a picture of it on, um, on our Instagram. It's it was a pretty good memory. But the best part was we showed up to the show at the Che Cafe. We were all wearing the same thing, all three bands. We pull, we get we got there a little bit late because we were on tour, right? Not late for the show, but like there was already people assembled outside, and we all get out of the van wearing the same thing. And I just remember this like a bunch of kids waiting in front of the club, like looking, like watching us, like, what is going on? We're all wearing the same thing. I don't think we had the heart to like keep it on while we played, but one up did they, I think they played a couple songs and they're all wearing youth today, long sleeves, every single one of them, but that was pretty cool. Um,
3: but what yeah. other, so in the history of all of our shows, so like the Porcel thing was high up yep. there. Yeah. The, that one was yeah. like Che Cafe and just general West Coast. Yeah. So are there any other shows that really stand out to you? Dan, you just got a better memory. You'll remind me. and I'll go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, there, there, there are some like interesting shows. Like we played at a tire shop in in oh, San and Antonio yeah, in Texas. and That's we were, cool. yeah, we, we were playing on the floor of a tire shop and you could smell the fumes. They put, put the garage doors down and it was, it was pretty hard to breathe in there. And I, and the ground was very hard and I like to jump around a lot and I developed like shin splints there. So next uh, day right. we, we went to like Houston and we're playing at like a bookstore like I would like they would heal and then I'd get them again. And that I was so mad because at that Houston show, I had to just kind of stand there. And I remember terror was on tour at the same time and they came out to see us and hang out um, at that particular show. And then we went to Austin and watched them. We, stayed, anyways, with, yeah. we stayed with a girl who had a pet pig. Oh yeah. That's right. I have a picture of that. I was trying to figure yeah. out where that was from. That's that was from in San Texas. Antonio or, or uh, somewhere. Don't, oh, okay. don't quote me on
3: what city, but it was in Texas. Yeah. I got a
2: picture of Stu. They have Dude a guitar player holding a pig, and I'm like, what is this? I didn't remember that. All right, cool. I'm glad you remember. You're filling in the blanks.
3: <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what. Our last show ever in Detroit, yeah. that was an incredible way to go out. Um, We played with Black Dahlia Murder, mm-hmm. um, Left mm-hmm. in Ruin, For Dire Life's Sake, Coalition, and it was at St. Andrew's Hall, which is a big venue. I mean, big um it's where like mad ball would play or like face to face would play it's a pretty natural corpse you know like yeah like it's a big it's a big venue with like a a mezzanine you know like Mm -hmm. you know balcony area whatever um at the shelter no it's above above the shelter so it's same Uh building same building but it's the bigger Mm -hmm. yeah so like twice the size of the shelter let's say you know um but yeah that was like we had three we had three guitarists at the time and it was Detroit it was packed everything just worked really well that night and it felt like a really good sort of capstone to the whole coalition you know experience I will uh, saying three guitars I remember playing Toronto Dan when we had two guitarists Um, so what happened was like there was two guitars but um there were issues with all of us always being able to play all the time
2: Stuart broke his hand
3: Stuart broke his hand. So we had Ian fill in and then maybe Stu had to do something. So we're like Ian fill in. And so we just started practicing three guitars. And we're like, look, as long as Alex plus one can play, then we'll say yes to the show, you know? So whether it's Alex and Ian or Alex and Stu, but if Alex, Stu and Ian can all play, then all three of us will play. Like what the right. hell? And so it's like three of us with Les Paul's and 5150s or Mesa's and we all pretty much were playing the same thing. So it sounded so heavy when you had all three of us on stage just going chum, jung, jung you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, because now I'm in bands where I've got no idea what the other guitarist is doing because they're just sometimes guitar-based and all. we're all doing completely different things. But in Coalition, it was like 90% of the time you're just playing the same riffs, just, you know, with little variations or whatever. So when we had three of us, with those EMGs and Les Pauls and those amps, we sounded so heavy and so big. And so that's, we sounded awesome in Toronto. And then the last show, all of us played in it was a really
2: good vibe. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, re- I still hear about that Toronto show, like how it sounded like a wall of sound, like with three guitars. Like, I think, I, I think Steve from Town of Hardcore actually was at that show and yeah. reviewed it and talked about how, like, thick you know we sounded that night and it was really good yeah that was memorable for sure so yeah no that, that gets that gets us towards the end that's kind of like the sight and the sound you know like where we were getting a little more metallic a little bit more influenced by we were definitely listening to a lot of anthrax at that time and life of agony and yeah things like that right so it having three guitars really put it over the top it was pretty cool yeah we never recorded with that with Ian. though. no we
0: didn't
3: it was just me and Stu, but yeah. he was our third guy
0: right right true. doesn't cold world doesn't cold world use, use three guitars live too or didn't they start doing that towards the end I,
2: yeah I've seen some videos lately yeah,
0: um, yeah.
2: it, maybe it, it works if he...
0: <laughs> maybe there is an influence there because isn't there a Detroit connection there with cold world too
2: yeah yeah, rune yeah. from uh, yeah. jailbreak razzle dazzle yeah, is,
0: uh, yeah maybe here, plays, maybe here. Playing for, with them for a while yeah (laughs) maybe he remembered how maybe he remembered how how that wall sounds in toronto and suggested it i just want to mention something real quick too alex i want to jump back real quick you mentioned west coast is a bucket list for like detroit people that's a bucket list for everybody everywhere because i I i'm sure greg feels the same way growing up like living in a small town like rochester i i I was so excited to go to the west coast for the first time i mean i I lived there until i was like two years old but i don't remember it obviously but i remember when i was 25 25 finally making out to los angeles and just being so stoked uh, to be out there, not really for hardcore purposes, um, mm. and I just want to plug—I just want to plug something real quick because it's related to everything we've been talking about this episode. Uh, I went back and looked real quick. Uh, when it was still called Enterprise Hardcore Podcast, episode forty-five, I interviewed Ian Courtney, and episode forty-six, uh, I interviewed Donnie and Greg from One Up. So, oh, cool. if people have enjoyed this conversation, uh, I'm sure Greg will put it in the show notes. Uh, they can go back and listen to those too, and you'll hear more uh, from this era.
2: Um, I listened to both of those, those were great That, was, that nice. was fun That helped me remember things too So thank you for <laughs> for those interviews nice.
0: um, So Alex I know you've done more bands recently Did you guys like Dan did you do any bands after Coalition or
2: Um, I did One band of, I just left the band like six months ago It was kind of like a DC Like early 90s like DC Like Jawboxy type of band um called buried lights um but i'm not in that band anymore but there's some stuff we recorded a couple eps it's up on Bandcamp if anybody wants to check it out um but it's more hardcore adjacent than you know than anything else i'd say but you can you can hear it to me one i the end on end podcast uh did a little review of it and said the singer sounds kind of like a youth (laughs) crew. i was like yeah it's because i can't help it that's just who i am you know even though we were playing this like again jaw boxy you know ish kind of music so it's just what i do you know just who i am so yeah so unfortunately i'm trying to get something together right now i'd really like to do something so we'll see what happens but i'm not done yet i've got one more left in me i think
3: well,
1: like, I, think I, like eight... I said we'll get the Go hype ahead. machine going with this episode and then in, in a couple months time maybe next year you guys will be headlining uh, this is hardcore so <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: sounds
0: think, good to me I... I think like eighty five percent of hardcore in twenty twenty three could be considered hardcore adjacent, anyways, Dan. So uh, sure, you know, you know that's
3: true. That's true. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Alex, I know you have a couple of current mm-hmm. projects. Have you have you kept up playing music the entire time? Or
3: yeah, I mean, I was talking to my son today, and I was like, "I'm going to do this interview with with Coalition," and he's like, "Coalition? You never told me about them." My son's six, Um, and I was like, "Yeah," and I was going through like my list of. Of bands that put stuff out and there's nine bands Um, so Hellmouth put out three albums we're doing a 15 year anniversary show in a month and we just put the tickets up for sale on Friday and they sold out in six hours and I was we hadn't played in six years we never broke up we just went on hiatus because I had another band and you know it's one of those things you're like we're gonna play again I don't know do people care do they not care and we're very humbled that we put the things on at noon and they were sold out by six so we've got a lot of songs to learn in the next six weeks to get ready for that <laughs> show um so that, <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that's gonna be really exciting so hellmouth has been together for 15 years we put out three records and then temple of void is my death doom band we've been around for a decade and we put out four albums went to Europe last year Um, and then I have a new band called Love Interest and we just put out our first EP and Love Interest is members of Hellmouth and members of Temple of Void but sounds unlike any. it's the reason that I have a wall of fenders behind me now because um, I play a JC 120 I play fenders and it sounds like Susie and the Banshees and the Cure and, you know, Joy Division and and Ride and Charlatans. It's like a whole mix of stuff from Britain, from the 80s and 90s that we all love. And it's been for me like falling in love with guitar all over again, because my whole career I've been like Les Paul guy, you know, plug it into a Mesa and do really heavy stuff. And like, find different types of heavy, whether it's fast or whether it's, you know, hardcore or whether it's death metal. And every time I do a band, I try and do a different thing that pushes me, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And for um, love interest, it's been so exciting because it was like, take everything that I've ever done, throw it out the window and do the opposite. I can't hide behind distortion. Now it's like clean tones. I'm not bringing mesas. I'm bringing the cleanest, you know, combo amp that you've ever heard i'm playing fenders and like jazz masters and strats and tellies and stuff and it's just so different um and it's just been super exciting as a guitarist to express myself in a band that sounds like the cure a band that writes 10 minute long death doom songs and then a band that sounds like slayer meets minor threat i don't know you know and like writes 13 second songs (laughs) sometimes so I don't know what's going on, how all of them suddenly are active at the same time. It's not tenable. I can't have three bands at the same time. So I'm in some weird juggling mode where it's like, I've got to figure it all out. I never intended to have three bands happening at once, but <laughs> here, here we are, you know, so I'll figure it out.
0: You, you've you done stuff with Relapse with Temple of Void too, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. The, the yes. latest record on Relapse.
0: So another weird connection with late nineties that I don't know if you're aware of is a Rochester based band, break of dawn uh, Andre's mm-hmm. and like, a, uh, I don't know if it's like noise, uh, low Lo- Korean. Are you familiar with that at all? Or cause they've done stuff uh, for relapse too.
3: Sounds familiar, but I'd be lying yeah. if I told you I
0: listened yeah. to them. But I just the wasn't sure if you guys had had, had interacted at all. Cause mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they've done stuff for relapse, but we, I interviewed right. Andre like, I don't know, like a year or two ago. Um, and I was thinking about that when we were putting all the notes together, when Dan told me all the other two projects he ran, I was like, holy shit, that's a weird coincidence that, you know, two late nineties bands that played around here together and stuff, you know, cause he was in break of dawn. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think that pretty much wraps up most of what we had, uh, unless you got, you got more stuff uh, for coalition Greg or.
1: No, I just want to make sure that you guys have an opportunity to do any, uh, shout outs, um, that you want to do. Um, Also tell people where they can find coalition on Instagram. And if you guys have anything on like any of the streaming platforms.
2: We do. We have, um, Alex generously donated his, his time and some of his change to, uh, put our two full lengths up on Spotify and all the other major streaming platforms. I put everything pretty much, almost everything we've ever recorded except for a few demo tracks, um, up on Bandcamp. um i think our instagram handle is coalition x hardcore i'd have to check it to to be to be certain um but we are on instagram and i have been posting pretty regularly at like a breakneck pace I, i'm just like i've got the energy now get it all out there and then rest right so i'm almost done um you know kind of like re- rehearsing the history of the band through photos and some some video clips there's not a whole lot out Uh, you know, on YouTube, because we were pre-YouTube band, you know, pre-streaming. So yeah, these things haven't been available for a long time until right here in 2023. So yeah, we're kind of working on getting those things put out there, um, you know, making them easily accessible. So I don't know. What we might stream more, we might stream some of the EPs later. Um, but for now they're on Bandcamp if anybody wants to just check them out and see see what we sounded like or remember what we sounded like. Uh, and we went through a lot of different um style variations. The way I usually say it is we pulled a reverse turning point. We started off melodic. And I don't know anybody who's done that. I can't name another hardcore band that started off melodic and got heavier and heavier. And heavier you know till the very end um so yeah pretty pretty proud of what we did and uh proud of you know the things that guys like alex and and brent had done with their with their music um throughout the years so great memories and super proud of you know what we did and what we were able to accomplish in that that short time we went we hustled we went hard and we did as much as we possibly could so then what was our years of activity?
3: Sorry, I don't want to drag this out. But That's like- okay. 2000
2: to 2004. So we, we yeah. started August 2000, and we ended October as Devil's Night. 2004 was our last show. So okay. just over four years. Yeah. yeah. We put out two full lengths and Smorgasbord EP, Martyr, Stagnant Records with Ian Courtney. So yeah, and toured yeah. and did a, a bunch. Of- yeah. yeah, did a lot. We played, we played so much. It's changed now. Fans don't play like we, we played like almost every weekend. It felt like in Michigan, like we were just saturating the market. And then the problem, the thing was, you know, like there wasn't a lot of people in our own town that was in, that were into fast hardcore. Um, so we just kept, kept at it. Just believed in our songs and tried our best, you know? Um, but thankfully yeah. on the, on the coasts, people seem to react differently. And enjoy it. So
0: uh, before you guys give any shout outs, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. I feel like we should have said it in the intro. Uh, if anybody's been listening this whole time and is still confused, I'm sorry. Um, this is the Detroit uh, Michigan Coalition, not the current Rochester New York <laughs> Coalition. Uh, we'll probably have those guys on for a chat eventually, and then we'll confuse you guys even more. So. Um, but I'm sure they probably just didn't realize there had been a coalition that was around and played Rochester 20 years ago. These things yeah. happen. Uh, it's funny. because I'm, I'm, reverse...
2: ha- I'm happy that it's a Rochester band. I Honestly, yeah. that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool yeah. that we share, share the a name with the band with uh, Rochester. Cool.
0: It's yeah. funny. It's funny. Cause the reverse happened. Cause we interviewed uh, Anthony Burke a few months back, who was in like mag and and a bunch of other bands and, uh classic Rochester band is moment of truth. And he's mm, currently mm-hmm. uh, singing for a South Florida band called moment of truth. So, <laughs> and then there was foundation had been a Rochester band before. So these things happen, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I mean, how sure. many, with how many bands have been, the names are going to get cycled through oh, again, yeah. I'm sure eventually. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, do you guys want to give any shout outs or anything before we wrap up, I guess, or. I'd
3: say shout out to Steve from Mar records. Um, he, he's a guy that I've connected with again, recently um solid dude it's nice to make again um it's like nice. shout out to dan for for getting and like you know before on instagram and stuff it's been fun to go down memory lane thank you to both you greg and josh for kind of for inviting us in to have this conversation it's been it's been fun and it's it's great that we can chat about this stuff 20 years later and i'll have smiles and you know but on memory lane it was a good time a really important time in our lives um yeah, I guess if you're interested in anything what I'm doing now, Hellmouth, we're on all streaming platforms. Uh Temple of Void, same thing. And then Love Interest. Uh if you look up our band camp, it's Love Interest Detroit. There was a Love Interest from a decade or something that put out a demo. It's different Love Interest. We're Love Interest.
0: <laughs> the Hardcore Archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci.
1: This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore Community. Theme song provided
0: by Standfast. Visit Hardcore Archive Podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes.
1: Follow Hardcore Archive Podcast and Enterprise Hardcore Podcast on Instagram for updates.
0: If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at hardcore archive Podcast at gmail.com. You am gonna play, see you or back, fine,
1: drop my back, give it a route, drop the, the, the new, I'm you take don't one day, I'm flipping I'm flipping away, I'm trying to conquer, my, my, fear Don't believe everything my, my, Trying to conquer, my, my, fear Don't believe everything I wear.
2: It's been the worst, fucking year so, Sometimes it breaks, cause I knew you'd Sometimes think, you will never keep up with that fight i Yeah